Amen. Well, I am so glad to be back with y'all this morning. I heard that uh, Brian did a phenomenal job and that uh, many of you are really glad to have him come and join us and uh, speak such a great word last Sunday. Uh, for those of you that don't know, some of you are aware, but last Sunday I was actually away um, serving as a organizer, administrator, go-to guy, as well as the camp speaker for a youth retreat for our denomination. So uh, the Presbytery of the South, which includes churches in Tennessee, Georgia, uh, Alabama, and Mississippi, had a youth retreat uh, in Cleveland, Georgia, at Camp Woodlands, and so we had 150 uh, students come together for a retreat together uh, there, and so I was the person that was putting together, but I was also the camp speaker, and so it was really awesome and encouraging to see 150 students just gather together and worship the Lord, a place where they were able to grow in their faith, to go deeper in their relationships with one another and with God, uh, and then to be sent out into the world and back into their uh, schools and communities to carry what it is that they had learned uh, with them. And so uh, I was really encouraged to be a part of that, but I'm also really glad to be back a part of this community and this family of God that he continually is building up within us. And so today we're back in Galatians where we have been over the last uh, several weeks and throughout the summer. And as we've been working through, we've been reminded again and again by Paul uh, in this letter to the Galatians that he was encouraging the Galatians toward deeper knowledge and understanding of the gospel of God. We've already seen how he had to remind the Galatians because they had turned away from what it was that they first believed, that they had received Jesus so willingly and so eagerly that in fact it says that they were reminded they were justified that is, that they were restored in relationship to God through faith by grace. That it was nothing else that they did. And we keep saying in here on Sundays that it was God's work, not theirs, that restored that relationship. All they had to do was believe. And yet some people came as false teachers and began to teach them what we've been calling gospel plus kept saying things to them like, well, you have to believe the gospel, but you also have to do this thing if you're going to be justified before God. And so the thing is, every time we see this, we wonder, well, is there something else that I have to do? And yet Paul is writing continually to the Galatians to remind them that this gospel that we received in Jesus is not a gospel plus. It is simply the gospel the gospel of truth, there is nothing that we can do in order to earn or obtain that which God has already given so freely. And so as we have been walking through, we find ourselves challenged again and again by the words of Paul. We're constantly wondering, are we getting hung up on works thinking that there's something that we have to do? Or do we get bogged down by appearances? Is there a certain way that we're supposed to look? Or are we seeking someone's approval? Is there the approval of another person or even maybe God that we're trying to earn? 
And then we're also challenged to ask ourselves the question within, are we requiring something from someone else to be a part of our body? Are we judging someone based on their appearances? Are we complying or complaining about uh, a certain dress code? Are we trying to set a standard that isn't in Scripture when it's just about following Jesus? And so the last time that we were together two Sundays ago, we actually started to be challenged by this idea of, of what it means to be sons of God. That is the truth that in Christ Jesus and the work that he did on the cross that God actually welcomed us into his family. He says that we were adopted as his own. That is to say that there is now nothing that keeps us from receiving the same glorious inheritance that Jesus also received because Jesus bought us with his blood. Therefore, we are no longer strangers to God, no longer enemies to God, but we are in fact the children of God. And those whom he calls children are recipients of the fullness of grace and joy in what it means to know him as father. And so today we're going to turn to the next part of Paul's letter where he challenges the Galatians once again. But he's challenging them in the knowledge and understanding that there are two religions kind of in the world. There is the one found in worldly things where we set up idols within our lives. And then there is the other, which is the only one that comes through true gospel faith. And so our passage today is Galatians chapter 4 verses 8 through 20. And I made a mistake in the bulletin where it says 21 through 31. That is incorrect. It is 8 through 20. Uh, and you can follow along in your Bibles or on your Bible app. It can also be found on page 1014 in your pew Bible. And so hear this word from Galatians chapter 4 verses 8 through 20. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not God's. But now that you have come to know God, or rather, to be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world, whose slaves you want to be once more? You observe days and months and seasons and years. I am afraid I may have labored over you in vain. Brothers and sisters, I entreat you, Become as I am, for I also have become as you are. You did me no wrong. You, you know that it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. What then has become of your blessedness? For I testify to you that, if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? They make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out that you may make much of them. It is always good to be made much of for a good purpose." 
and not only when I am present with you, my little children, whom, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth, until Christ is formed in you. I wish I could be present with you now and change my tone, for I am perplexed about you. Let us pray. Good and gracious God, this is your beautiful and wonderful word that you have given to us by your Holy Spirit through the writing of Paul to the Galatians. God, I pray that as we hear this word this morning, that it would be encouraging to us, God, that it would challenge us toward a deeper faith and relationship with you, further expanding what it is that you have already brought into our lives through the hearing and reading and unpacking of this letter. And so, Lord, we love you. We thank you. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So recently, I feel like I have been sharing a lot about my childhood with you. Uh, a lot of stories from my childhood, whether for better or for worse, uh, sharing with you about even how just a couple weeks ago, that whether I wanted to admit it or not, I realized that I was becoming more and more like my parents. There were certain quirks and things and tendencies that they had in their life that I started to pick up and I start to do now and as I've grown older. And it's because that it's what I saw in them. As I watched them growing up, I maybe picked up these things, whether I realized it or not. And now that I'm older, I'm starting to act in a way that is just like them. I didn't want to admit it. I don't like to admit it, but it is the truth of what happens when you gaze upon one for so long. You begin to come like them. And that's what we were talking about last week when, it, when we were talking about what it means to be a son of God, that in relationship with him, as we gaze upon him, we actually become more Christ-like. We become more like him. We live into the fullness of who God is. We begin to pick up all of his character. But today, I want to share something else about my childhood, which is also not good. But I hope and I think that I can reasonably say that at some point in our childhoods, we have all done this, and we've probably seen our children do it if we have them. In fact, um, I, am, I am actually quite certain that some of us might still do this today because I know that I still do this on occasion today. You see, here's the thing. When I was a child, I absolutely hated, absolutely did not want to hear the truth. I couldn't stand it. I, don't, I didn't like to hear truth. I didn't like to hear true things. I never wanted to be told that I was wrong. I always wanted to be told that I was right. And I especially didn't want to be told the truth and be told that I was wrong when I knew that I was wrong. Because I wanted to keep believing that what I wanted and what I that what I wanted was right, and I didn't want to hear at all that I could, in fact, be wrong. In fact, I remember that there was this particular thing that I did when I was a child, when somebody was trying to tell me the truth. I would cover my ears, and I would say, blah, 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 blah. Like, and then I would say, uh, I can't hear you. I can't hear you. Like, I remember exactly what it was like to 
to want to push back against hearing the truth as a child. I mean, do any of you remember doing that as well? Do any of you remember wanting to cover your ears and not listen to your parents when they were trying to share with you some, some cold, hard facts? To share with you what it is that you had done wrong so that you could not walk in that way anymore? I just, I remember it as clear as day. And, and maybe you do too, or, or maybe you remember having your own child that went through that same phase of wanting to cover their ears and, and not hear what it is that you were trying to tell them when all you really wanted to do was just lead them into the truth so that they would become a better person, that they would become who it is that you knew that they could be in all of their potential. Well, I kind of feel like that's what Paul is trying to do with the Galatians today. In this passage, he is trying to reveal to them truth throughout this entire letter. He's trying to reveal to them the truth of the gospel of Jesus. And yet, something is happening here where they, they cannot hear. They can't hear what it is that Paul is trying to say. And so as we unpack this today, I want us to see these, these things, the dangers that come when we try to ignore the truth of the gospel of God. I actually love how scripture puts it in Isaiah 53 verse 6. It's so clear that all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. The, the truth and reality is that in our lives there will be these moments, whether it was as children or as adults, truth doesn't always sit well with us. We don't always like to hear it. We sometimes want to push back against it and we want to question truth. But the thing in reality is that like sheep, we are prone to go astray. But that in the good nature of God, in his gospel, we can be led back toward him and back toward he who is actually truth. And so that is what Paul has to say to the Galatians today. And so our passage opens with these words from Paul. He says, formally... When you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not gods. That is like, before you even know who God is, there was something in you that was worshiping something. The truth is that all of us worship something. Whether we are going to worship God, whether we're going to worship money, whether we're going to worship material things, whether it's going to be technology, whatever it is, all of us have a heart that wants to worship. Because we were made and created to worship. But the question is, what are we worshiping? And before we knew God, just like the Galatians, we were enslaved to those things that by nature are not gods. To idols in our lives that we were giving praise to. Whether we want to call it that or not, that's what it was. We gave all our attention, all our money toward one thing. Maybe it was success in a career. We worshipped that thing. And so Paul is saying to the Galatians, you were enslaved to those by nature that are not gods. But now, 
now that you have come to know God, now that you know God, now that you've heard the good news, the gospel message that I brought to you, that Jesus revealed to you, or rather, that you are known by God. You see, that's also one of the great messages of the gospel. It's not just that we get to know God. It's that God knows us. Not that he just knows us, but he wants to be in an intimate and close relationship with you. He wants to know you as his child. He wants to love you as a father would love you. And so it's not just that we have come to know God, but that God has come to know us. And so Paul continues, how? How in, in knowing God and being known by God can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world whose slaves you want to be once more? You see, the world is always enticing us. It's always trying to show us something else that, that we might look at and think, well, this is a better thing. This is a good thing. And in fact, there are a lot of good things in the world. But the question is, is it good enough that you should turn away from God in order to go after it? Or should we live a life that is so trusting of God that it doesn't matter what that other thing is that we could be chasing? Because if it is good for us, then God will give it. Because he works all things together for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purposes. And so to turn away from God is actually turning back to the weak and worthless things. The things in the world that just like, they matter not. For there is only one that matters. And that is what Paul is trying to get at. The only thing that matters is that you know God and are known by him. And it's so sad in verse 10 and 11, you observe days and months and seasons and years. And I'm, I am afraid that I, have, I may have labored over you in vain. Paul is heartbroken at where the Galatians are turning, how they're turning away from the good news that they had already heard and received and believed in their relationship with Christ Jesus. But here's the thing about this passage is we also have to look at it in context. Yes, the Galatians were at one time idol worshipers. They were pagans. They were the Gentiles. They didn't believe in God as Paul believes in God. They believed in gods, multiple things that you would worship and bow down to. If you wanted a good crop season, then you would pray and make a sacrifice to the God of fruit, right? Or, or whatever it might be. And But here... In the context, we have to remember that Paul is writing to the Galatians about how they have turned away by listening to a false teacher saying, you have to believe the gospel and do this. It's believing the gospel and then also following all these other Jewish customs. And so here's what Paul is getting at in the context of this passage. To believe that the gospel also requires works 
is just as bad as if you never believed the gospel at all. To believe that the gospel also requires works is just as bad as to never believe the gospel at all. It is a form of idol worship to think that we have to do something to be in relationship with God. It would almost make Jesus' death completely in vain if we would choose to think that we have to believe the gospel and do something else. In the Galatians case, it was circumcision to believe the gospel and also be circumcised. And Paul's like, no, that is, that is following your own way. That's believing that you can work for your own righteousness. Again, he is trying to reveal that it is a form in and of itself of idol worship. It is saying that I am going to worship at the foot of my own self-righteousness over the righteousness that Jesus bought for me on the cross. Actually, I don't think that this is any better portrayed than in the, the, the parable of the prodigal son. We've all heard it at one point or another. It comes from Luke chapter 15, verses 25 through uh, 32, uh, at least the part that I want to read to you today. But you might be thinking, where in the uh, parable of the prodigal son is, is this idea? You know, because we all remember that the prodigal son gave everything up, became essentially a pagan, and then the father received him again, right? It is a beautiful story of redemption. But oftentimes we overlook the older son. And so I want to read this passage to you that comes from Luke 15, 25 through 32. Now his older son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked, what are these things meant? And he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and he refused to go in. And his father came out and entreated him but he answered his father, look, these many years I have served you. I've never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours came who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him? And the father said to him, son, you are always with me. And all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. You see, the sin of the older brother was that he believed that his obedience, all his works that he did for his father, the fact that he lived more like a slave to his own dad than he did as a son shows that he thought more that his life was about his works righteousness, that everything he did is what owed him the calf. He was owed that by his father because he worked for it. But the father is trying to show him I've always loved you. I always adored you. My affection was always for you. Everything that I had was always yours. It wasn't about the work that you did. 
It was about the fact that I know you. And you have known me. You see, that is the trouble when we add gospel plus as we turn into idols of our own work. We turn into idols of our own righteousness. We start to live and act and be as if we can do it ourselves. As Paul is speaking to the Galatians, but the truth and the reality is you don't have to do anything. It is, it is good and better in fact, that you just believe and trust God for what it is that he did for you. You see, this is what happens when we distort gospel faith into a worldly religion. We establish our own idols and begin to forget the actual gospel and truth that God has already spoken to us. And so what are the dangers of this Folly. What are the dangers of falling into this trap? Paul goes on to say exactly what those are. First, he says in verse 12, Brothers, I entreat you, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. You did me no wrong. You see, when Paul is speaking to them in this moment, when the, in this instance, what ends up happening when we believe falsities over the truth of the gospel is that we actually begin to set up and make enemies of our examples. We begin to say, I no longer want to look at you as an example, Paul, for the truth that it is that you are living. Instead, I want to follow in the way of the false teachers. I want to live my life in a way that says that I can work for myself when Paul never worked for his salvation or justification. He just lived it as he was called to by God. And so we begin to make enemies of our examples of the very people that want to bring truth into our lives, that want to speak truth to us. We begin to push away in the same way that as a child, when my parents were trying to tell me something good and true to, to allow me to live more fully and beautifully, I would cover my ears and I would say, blah, 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 blah. That's what we end up doing when we Turn away from the gospel and someone who loves us, just as Paul loved the Galatians, tries to share truth with us as we don't want to hear it. We don't want to hear it. In 1 Corinthians 10, 31 through 11, 1, Paul reiterates to even the Corinthians, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense to Jews or to Greeks or to the church of God, just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many, that they may be saved, be imitators of me as I imitate Christ. You see, we all have these people in our lives who love us dearly in this church body. We have to be willing to hear from each other the truth. We can't shy away when somebody wants to give us correction or rebuke just because it makes us uncomfortable. The more and more I think about it, one of my favorite quotes and things that comes from Timothy Keller, in fact, it's on my wall in my office, is that when we speak truth, when we communicate truth, we have to communicate sweet truth as sweet and hard truth as hard. 
Truths in some ways are sweet to the ears, but in other ways it can be difficult to hear. And it's not just the ones speaking it, but as people that receive it, we have to be willing to also open our hearts to receive difficult truths in our lives. The second thing that happens when we want to push back against truth, the truth of the gospel, is that we see suffering as an opposition to gospel truth. You see, part of the folly of the Galatians is they didn't want to suffer at the hands of the people that were trying to bring them a gospel plus. They didn't want to keep hearing that they were doing something wrong, and so they were going to appease them and suffer no more. In fact, but Paul says, but you know it was because of bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And though my condition was a trial to you, though it was suffering to you that I came and you were taking care of me, you did not scorn or despise me, but you received me as a messenger of God as Christ Jesus. What then has become of your blessedness? For I testify to you that if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. You see, Paul is pushing back against this idea that Following in the truth means that there will no, no more be suffering, but that is not true. In fact, suffering is just a part of what it means to be a Christian. It, look at Jesus and all the work that he accomplished. He suffered much and yet brought us peace. The peace of God is not one that is opposed to suffering, but it is one that says in the midst of suffering, I know that there is one greater. So Paul is reiterating that suffering is something that reveals truth to us. We should not oppose it. Then he goes on in verse 16. He says, have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? Another danger of trying to rebuke truth in our lives is that we actually stop seeking truth altogether. We stop, stop being willing to hear what it is that God has to say, what it is that people have to say in our lives. But John 4, 24 reminds us that God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. We can't believe something that is not gospel and actually be worshiping God. It is required that we also believe the fullness and the truth of who God is when we live and seek him. Finally, the last thing that happens, the last folly of the Galatians is that we allow sweet words to deceive us. Verse 17, they make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out that you may make much of them. It is always good to be made much of for a good purpose. And not only when I am present with you, my little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. I wish that I could be present with you now and change my tone, for I am perplexed about you. You see, when we stop allowing truth to be spoken into our lives, we start to allow the words of deception to be our new truth. You see, the very people that came into the 
camp of the Galatians and tried to turn them were speaking to them in ways that exhorted them, that puffed them up, that that made the Galatians feel good about themselves. See, truth doesn't always make you feel good. But they were speaking in a way that made the Galatians feel really good about themselves so that they would in turn say good things about those that were teaching the false gospel to them. You see, ministry, it goes two ways. We can be ministers of the gospel for one purpose. As Paul lived, that Jesus would be known. Or for the purpose of puffing others up that others might puff us up, that they might build us up and make us feel really good about ourselves. I mean, that is a challenge that I face all the time. I mean, my goodness, this past weekend, preaching in front of 150 students and their leaders and and bringing the word of God four times that weekend, all I wanted to hear was, man, that was so good. You, You brought the word. Like, it was so encouraging to hear But I also had to be careful to to not let that be the reason that I wanted to bring the truth to these students that that weekend. The reason that I was bringing that word is because I wanted them to know, man, the gospel is good. It is true. And Jesus is everything. And so we as Christians, we as followers of Jesus, need to sit and rest in the truth that, that Jesus paid it all. There is nothing that we have to do in order to earn that which he has already bought for us. We have been reconciled to God. Peace has come between us, and now we can know God and be known by him. That is the good news of the gospel, and so when we are living out this faith, we have to be people that that are so assured of the good news of Jesus, that when somebody wants to speak something into our lives that might be a hard truth, we're not so defensive that we push them away. But we're so secure in who Jesus is and what he has done for us that we can receive it freely because we know the heart of the reason that they want to tell us the truth is because they want us to become more like Christ. That's what I want in my life. That's what I want for you in your life. Every day is an opportunity for us to see Jesus. An opportunity to be more like him and to grow in his likeness. Let us us be a church that doesn't shy away from truth, that doesn't shy away from somebody bringing correction to us Let us not make enemies of those that love us, but let us hear what they have to say. Let us hear what Scripture is saying, that we might become like Jesus to each other and Jesus to our community, that we begin to change and shape everybody around us. Let's pray. Good and gracious God, ultimately we know that you are the truth. You are the truth. And Lord, you share truth continually to us through your good grace. 
And so God, continue to pour it out on us today. We love you, Lord. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.